What unifies us? Well, could it be chocolate? Who loves chocolate? Right. But does that mean you are united together? This is a picture of Tottenham Hotspur football ground. Yay! Um, And uh, it's a picture of a football crowd. Are they united? Or? (laughs) Or? This is a picture of crowds of people in the mall. And uh, they just want to catch a glimpse of the Queen. Are they united? Well, I would say they have a bond or something in common rather than they are united. Because a bond is a relationship between people and it's based on shared feelings, interests or experiences. Apart from a, a, you know, a shared like of chocolate, you may have nothing else in common. You may bond with a fellow fan at a football match and after the match you separate and you never see them again. Many, many people love the Queen, including me, and they will bond over that. But are they truly united? So, if that's not unity, is our government united? Is our, is our country united? And I would argue that although the ideal is to be united, that's the aim, the aim is to work towards a common goal, to be as one, it's always going to be flawed. And why? Because within us is this desire to be better, to win, to do what's better for ourselves. It's the world's view. So I'm going to focus right on down. Paul was speaking to a church. So I'm going to focus right on down to our church. Is our church united? So, first, we need to know what unity really means. And Paul tells us in our passage, he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. And in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying it's not just one thing that brings unity to the church. There are a number of criteria, a number of guidelines, if you like. 
we all belong to the same family. We're all loved by Christ. And the same Holy Spirit is within us. Our characteristics should be tenderness and compassion. And therefore, Paul says, there should be agreement within the body. There should be love for one another. And there should be a common heart and compassion for ministering together. That's what true unity is. The thing is, unity is important. And it was so important to Jesus that on the night before he died in agony on the cross, he prayed a prayer. And part of that prayer says this. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That is you and me, he prayed for. And he knew it would be hard. And this is so key, so fundamental to our life in him and each other, that he knew we couldn't do it without help. Well, when we become believers in Christ, believers in him, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And it's the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You'll have heard that many times. Doesn't make it any less true. So that that Holy Spirit resides in me and it resides in each and every one of us. And the question I started with was, what unifies us? It's the Holy Spirit. So that should be all right then, shouldn't it? We have the Holy Spirit in us. We are unified. Well, there's a fly in the ointment that tries to spoil all this. I'm going to tell you a story. Several centuries ago, uh, the, uh, the, chi- the ancient China uh, wanted to secure its borders from the, nor- from the northern invaders. invaders sorry. So they built the Great Wall of China to protect the border. This massive wall stretched for 1,500 miles. It was 40 feet thick in some places, 50 feet high. Uh, they, uh, the, so the wall was too high for the enemy to climb over, too thick to, uh, to tear down, and it was too long to go around. And they posted soldiers along different places. And it was wide enough for chariots to ride along. So if they heard of attack at a distant location, they could easily get there. They were up high, so, and they had, it gave them a superior advantage over their enemies. 
they knew they had total protection and they had protected their borders against invasion. Sounds good, doesn't it? But in the first 100 years of that wall being built, China was invaded three times. How? An enemy bribed the gatekeepers and entered into the land undetected. No matter what we have been given, the help we have to maintain it, if we aren't watchful, we open the gates to the enemy. How do we stop the enemy getting in? Well, 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, be alert and sober, of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I think sometimes we just read that and we just read it as a, as a verse. And it's true and it means something. But there you have it. Peter is saying something so much more than that. He's saying, take this seriously. Continually keep a watch out. Don't let up because the enemy won't hesitate to get in if he can. The enemy really isn't terribly original. He doesn't have many ploys, uh, but he does fear our unity and he wants to destroy it. And his favourite plans are basically discord and division. That leads to destruction. And he tries to create his own unity within the body of Christ. So using me as an example, it starts simply. I speak out a careless remark that wasn't meant to hurt, but it did. Or I do something in such a way that I make, make a person feel left out and they feel they don't matter. That person, person A, took offence and they didn't or couldn't speak to me about it. If they had have done at that point, it would have been a five-minute maybe conversation where views would have been exchanged, there would have been an apology, there would have been forgiveness and everybody would have moved on. But... Person A talks to person B, who says, well, I've done some, she has done something similar in the past, and that adds to the, the original offence. A and B pass it on to others, who also add their bit to the initial offence, and that they have forgiven me, but I don't seem to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> Boom, we have discord. And a unity has been created between the parties. But it's not the Holy Spirit unifying. The enemy has caused unity all of his own. If we feel hurt, then the enemy has a way in. So what can we do to stop him? Well, here... I could actually say, just go away and listen to James's talk last week on to live is Christ, because all we need was really, go, was really uh, contained in that. But I'll expand a bit. The closer we are to Jesus, the less wriggle room we give the enemy. We can let the enemy in collectively, 
or as an individual. I too went to see James Aladarin, the leader of Prayer Storm, the chap that James talked about last week. And he talked about us having prayer altars. This was James Aladarin, not James. And he asked us what state ours was in. So I asked the Holy Spirit, and what I saw was my prayer altar. If it helps, it looked like a pizza oven. If it doesn't help, completely ignore that, but it helped me. There was a fire burning inside, perhaps not as fiercely as I would, as I would have liked, but it was there. And there were a pile of logs beside, which represented my prayers yet to be prayed. And the Holy Spirit said, touch the altar, touch the outside. And I could touch it and hold my hand to it. And it was lukewarm. I knew it should have been blazing hot. And that something was really wrong. So this is what the Holy Spirit showed me. That since my husband Tony has died, my hanging on to him had tipped over from being okay and healthy to my life being framed around my loss. And please hear me that everybody copes with loss differently and there isn't one way through it. But for me, the Holy Spirit was pointing out that my life was increasingly being lived through the loss and not through Jesus. That had created a gap between Jesus and me. And it had started not only to affect that relationship between Jesus and me, but with others around me. And the enemy had, had seen this as an opportunity to get in, and he'd actually replaced the logs with his own logs. So when these were put on the altar, they burnt fiercely for a few moments, but then dissolved into ash. And although the fire never ever went out, it was largely smothered by this ash. Weeping, I said sorry, and I meant it from the bottom of my heart. And the Holy Spirit blew the ash away, and the logs of the enemy were destroyed, and the proper fuel was there. He asked me to put my hand on the altar again, and I couldn't because it was so hot. Why am I telling you this? Well, I am supposed to be a person who unifies others to pray. And yet the enemy had seen an opportunity to isolate me. I didn't want to give the enemy any further opportunity. So I went to see Andy because he entrusts this to me. And the Holy Spirit had shown me that I'd been falling short. Andy's words were that he was glad that I'd told him, but he knew and he knows me enough to know that I've done business with the Lord and that if he was looking for people, including himself, who were perfect, there wouldn't be anybody serving in church. But it was a wake-up call and a lesson in how easy it is for the enemy to get in. So since I haven't 
ever want, I don't ever want that to happen again. Operation Stay Close to Jesus began. James Herring's way is to walk and speak in tongues for an hour each day. My way is to come to Jesus daily, confess the wrongdoing in my life, consecrate myself to him for that day and take communion at home. It takes actually a similar amount of time, but it's what works for me. And just like James uh, said last week, he loves doing it. So do I. It's my best time of the day. And James didn't tell you about his walk, his daily walk, to say how super holy he is. Nor am I. But that night, the Holy Spirit convicted us in different ways. And James and I are pursuing Jesus, pursuing him to get closer to him each day, to be in unity with him. That's our desire. And also, it's our biggest weapon against the enemy, unity with Jesus. Does James want to stop his praying in tongues? Do I want to stop what I'm doing? No, we don't. Because the unity with Jesus at those times is so precious. The extravagance of love that is poured out to us as we seek unity with Jesus is so, well, astonishing. The feeling really goes beyond words. So we've looked at what unity is. We've looked at how the enemy can disrupt that and that it's our closeness with God that gives the enemy less wriggle room. But why would unity make Paul's joy complete? Paul's very existence was to walk with each day with Jesus. He didn't want to do anything else. Everything he did came out of that day, that daily walk with Jesus. He knew the power of that union for himself and for others he led, for others around him. The Philippian church was a church to be celebrated, but little things had crept in that threatened unity. And he gave them guidance to keep them on track. And that guidance is as relevant today as it was then. And he gave them, if you like, the guidelines that we looked at earlier. We all belong to the same family. And sometimes our families are dysfunctional and our church family isn't much different at that, in that at times. But there is a saying that blood is thicker than water, meaning that family bonds will always be stronger than other relationships. And Jesus shed his blood that we would be one, be family. There is joy in belonging. We are all loved by Christ. There is joy in being loved, not in an earthly, flawed way, 
but in a perfect way. A way that seeps through every cell of your body and that, that, that love is just because you are you. And in God's eyes, you are perfect. The same Holy Spirit is within us. Yeah, I've already said that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you, is in you and in me. But the Holy Spirit recognizes, the Holy Spirit in me recognizes the Holy Spirit in you. And there is a joy of understanding, a joy of recognition and a joy of completeness. Our characteristics should be tenderness and compassion. Well, have others mourned with you? Have others cried with you? Cared for you? Hugged you? Prayed for you? Gone out on a limb for you? Given to you when they don't have a lot themselves? A few weeks ago here there was a call from the front about somebody that was financially struggling. And if we wanted to, we could give what we had to help them. And there was a stream of people that came up and left money on the front here for that person. They just wanted to help. That was a wow moment of joy. And therefore, there should be agreement within the body. Look, we all fall out from time to time. And like my example earlier, the enemy can get in. But our defence is our daily sacrifice of keeping close to Jesus. And it is a sacrifice to say that we want Jesus to be our everything when we have our own desires each and every day. God's amazing plan for us is that we know the height and the depth and the width of Jesus' love and experience the joy of seeing that worked out as we move forward, not as one, but together. There should be love for each other. And love is the greatest gift that we've been given. It's sometimes when something happens and love is taken away that you truly realise what you've lost. But we don't love each other out of who we are, but out of the love that Jesus has shown us. The closer we are to Jesus, the more love that can flow from us. Why are we called to love each other? Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. And then he says this, I have told you this so that my joy in you, that my joy will be in you and that your joy will be complete. And finally, there should be a common heart and passion for ministering to each other. I have a passion for prayer and prophecy. It's really not a secret. And I love to join with each other and minister in those areas. It really is what makes me buzz. 
I come alive in those moments when I'm ministering. Do you love children, youth, seniors ministry, praying, prophesying, admin, singing, leading worship, serving tea and coffee, welcoming people, running a group, gardening, serving in the open door? Do you lead or participate in any of these things? Well, at those points, not are we ministering, not, 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 not only are we ministering, ministering to people together, but have we ever thought that we, at those times, are actually ministering to Jesus as well? And that brings joy to his heart. What feeling does that give you? There's a, there, there's a phrase in the word that says, uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And many, many times people have said to me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But actually, we can look at it another way round. And it's God's joy in us that gives us strength. So buzz is my word for this feeling. You may well have another word, but all our descriptions can be collected together to form one word, joy. And all of these things I have experienced in our church, all of these criteria for full unity are being fulfilled in our church. Are we perfect? No, but we do have unity. Our biggest threat comes from letting the enemy in. And the way to keep him out and reduce him to the defeated foe he is, is up to each and every one of us. And I have laboured this through this talk deliberately. I have laboured that closeness to Jesus is our weapon of choice. You see, God God looks at our hearts and he can tell whether our hearts are with him. He knows whether when our hearts are about selfishness, about our own hurt feelings, about ownership where we hold on to stuff that lets the enemy in. He's looking for the surrendered heart, the heart that turns to him first and that trusts him with everything in us. And it doesn't mean that we are perfect. But it means that we are on a trajectory in our hearts to seek him in everything. We might not always be amazing at the outworking of that. We may not always get it spot on. And we may continue in our trying to get it wrong time and time again. But... This way of living is about obedience and submission. It's choosing what he wants, choosing his ways and his will by being prepared to sacrifice ourselves and our stuff 
and laying it down at Jesus' feet, we are moving together and we move in unity. It's a lifestyle choice. So in closing, true joy comes from being ever closer to Jesus, being prepared to continually travel along that path each and every day. True joy comes from being unified with others who are walking along that same path with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in each and every one of us as believers. That although that alone does not guarantee unity, it draws us. The Holy Spirit draws us together. There is a joy in the recognition of uh, meeting somebody else with the Holy Spirit within them. And Father, we've heard that it takes, it takes us to be vigilant, to keep the enemy out and keep moving forward together. So Father, just in a moment of quietness, if there is any way that any one of us uh, knows that we are, um, that, that we are a stumbling block because of something that's happened in the past or recently. Just give that up to Jesus now. Let the Holy Spirit deal with it. Come, Holy Spirit. Deal with our hurts. Deal with our losses. Minister to us in the love that Jesus has for us. And finally, Jesus, um, your Holy Spirit showed me that my prayer altar had gone uh, lukewarm. And prayer is one of the extraordinary things uh, that is magnified in unity. When everybody is praying the same thing and looking towards you, Jesus, there you are in our midst. So I pray for an igniting of, uh, of the love of prayer in this place, an igniting of the power of prayer in this place. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.